going on and welcome in. This is the Sun Saturday Irish Podcast. I'm Tyler Rojack. He's Luke Smith. And it's been an eventful week so far as Notre Dame prepares for its last home game of the season against the Syracuse Orange. The ACC announced a series of scheduling changes Tuesday night that allowed Notre Dame to clinch a spot in the ACC championship game on December 19th, but it also wiped out the Wake Forest game actually, the Dukes-Mayo Classic against Wake Forest (laughs) that was originally scheduled for September 26th, got pushed back to December 12th, but the ACC said, screw it, we've seen enough, let's just get to the Notre Dame-Clemson rematch as fast and easily as possible. So now, Notre Dame will wrap up its regular season Saturday afternoon against Syracuse. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. It does feel like this snuck up on us a little bit here, uh, Game 10, uh, regular season finale, but... I mean, this is what we've been waiting for all season, the the postseason. So a really good opportunity for the Irish to to go out uh, of Notre Dame Stadium in in a good way on on Saturday and what will be like an empty stadium pretty much. But, um, you know, there's still a lot to play for. And and this really, I think, Saturday should be kind of seen as as just like a a celebration of of all that this senior class has accomplished and really revitalizing the program the last four years. And, um, you know, uh, I'm excited to see them get that recognition on Saturday. Me as well. It's pretty crazy that Notre Dame's true seniors come into this game 24-1 and at home. So they could finish their career 25-1 and in Notre Dame Stadium. That's that's one hell of a career. So that's the only losses to Georgia, I assume? Yep, in 2017. Should have won that, too. Yeah, that's the last home loss. They're on a uh, 20, yeah, the home winning streak's at 24 games. Book has a chance to go undefeated at home in his career. Right now he's 14 now. I got a trivia question for you. Who is the last Notre Dame quarterback to go undefeated in his career at Notre Dame Stadium? Is there a minimum of games? Um, minimum 10 games. And and you you know it. You you know the person at least. Like it, it, the name isn't going to shock you. I'm not going to pull out like frankly he's quarterback. <laughs> Um, I don't know. My first thought was honestly Kevin McDougal, but they lost to Boston College in '93. Um, close. Okay, like right around that time frame. Yep. It's not Rick Meyer, is it? Mm -mm. I don't know who is it. Our boy, friend of the program, Tony Rice. No, seriously, huh? I thought that maybe he might have started some games in '87 that they lost. Interesting. That makes sense though. Yeah, he went 16-0 at Notre Dame Stadium, book 14-0, so we won't pass him for most wins at Notre Dame Stadium, but just incredible, a three-year starter never losing a game at home. And yeah, like you mentioned before, there's going to be very few fans in the stadium at this game. Like Notre Dame had, I guess compared to the rest of the country, like a decent crowd, like somewhat of a home field advantage Mm -hmm. with all the students, the faculty, family of players, things like that. But this one, most of the students are gone. At least as far I, they're as they're all know. gone. They're all gone. The semester's over. Um, I know I had heard some like rumblings that like there were some seniors like coming back for the game, but I don't think they're actually allowed into the game. Um, you know, Notre Dame initially was going to make an announcement. I heard this Clemson weekend that they were going to let about twenty thousand people in. I know some people who got emails saying that they were going to get allowed into this. Syracuse game. However, I think after the backlash of uh, the field storming, those plans went to the wayside, even though there was no outbreak out of that. So it might be an empty stadium outside of family. Um, But 
But yeah, it kind of stinks because I think it was going to be open to the general public initially. And then Indiana has seen a, a significant surge as well within the state. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's just a bummer for the seniors. The families will still be able to attend. So there'll at least be some people. And I imagine some faculty will be there as well. Let's see what the weather's going to be. Yeah, that might make or break my decision as to whether or not I want to go Friday night. So I forgot you're still considering it. All right, so <laughs> the, the forecast in South Bay... 42, 40% chance of rain Saturday. That's it's not, like that, a very that's not that bad. I've, I've heard way worse. I've, I've experienced way worse. My senior day, my last game in Notre Dame Stadium was in 2017. That was literally the most oh, that was horrible. miserable, I think. And that's saying something. That, that was the worst time I've ever had in Notre Dame Stadium. And there's been some, some brutal losses that I've experienced, but that was like <laughs> 33 degrees, rain, wind, like pouring rain. The whole yeah, tailgate. I'm, was- I'm pretty sure that like pretty much only seniors went into that game because it didn't really matter and it was the last game. So I was just sitting up with my mom and like the pretty people seats drinking that whole game. So that was not the worst thing in the world for me. <laughs> the, the game too itself was gross. Honestly, your whole senior year was pretty lousy. Like those last three games were just garbage weather. NC State and then Wake and then Navy were just like rainy, cold as hell days. Like pretty pretty bad <laughs> what happened was we had the usc game the weather could not have been more perfect. perfect and i think it was like it exhausted all the good weather that south bank could provide for a single fall mm-hmm. because that was yeah. like 72 in late october and the notre dame rolled usc like too many good things were happening so then we had to just like settle back into reality a little bit i mean, I mean my senior night game and it was a night game was miserable as well weather i had a great time it was 27 degrees there was snow on the ground and they made it a night game prior to the season because it was Florida State, but that Florida State team was garbage, and the game was over within the first three minutes. It was a great time, but it was one of the coldest games I've been to in that stadium. Yeah, that's probably 25 degrees before the game, and then... Yeah, and it's a night game. And it's a night game, so by the end of it, and I'm obviously you stuck around to the end to get on the field, were you just like oh, yeah. freezing your ass off? Yeah, I'm pretty sure... What I remember the most of that game is I had a flask of something and I just remember pouring it and then like it was in the stands and I just heard a roar and I looked up and it was Dexter just going like 60 yards for a touchdown and I spilled the rest of the flask (laughs) all over the stands. (laughs) Some good memories there. Um, But yeah, so our senior days, this I guess is a classic senior day experience for Notre Dame. It's a bummer the families of the players won't be able to go out onto the field. I guess they're going to play some sort of tribute for each player on the Jumbotron, and they'll be able to congregate with them after the game. But let's go back to the ACC. Now, you know, as we said, this does wrap up the regular season, and Clemson still hasn't secured their spot. They've got to beat Virginia Tech. So that seems like a damned lock. Sorry for the mm-hmm. Virginia Tech on Saturday, guys, but I think they, I mean, they were texting us this afternoon. I think they, they fully know what's going to happen. But then both teams are going to have a bye. Heading, uh, assuming mm-hmm. nothing happens between now and game time and no games are canceled, um, in which case they just push it back a week, both teams are going to have a bye. So two weeks to prepare for the rematch of, I would say, the best college football game of the year so far. Yeah, and, and two weeks to prepare is two weeks too many for Tommy Reese and, and Clark Lee. I'm sorry, Brent Venables and Tony Elliott. <laughs> um, you guys are obviously at the top of your profession, but there's a new wave. You already got beat by him once. Now they got two weeks to prepare. Um, 
I don't know. It's uh, it's going to be a hell of a game and one that I know we're looking forward to and, and one that we've been looking forward to since November 7th, essentially. Um, and we got to go through Ponyboy. And maybe finally then we'll get some respect that, you know, I think we are getting somewhat in the national media, but it's more so people on Twitter that just try to discount everything that happened. Also, some guy at the ACC Network I've never heard of, Roddy Jones. I don't know if you saw this, saying that Clemson should be ranked ahead of us because... They played without Trevor, which I don't know why that guy is employed by anybody <laughs> if that's his take. I actually um, met Ronnie Jones. <laughs> he did he wow. did one of our digital shows for ESPN and uh he's a Georgia Tech guy. Yeah, I never I had never heard of him, so I think he probably said that to sort of counter do you know Jordan Cornette? Yeah. He's a big ND Homer, constantly praising Notre Dame on the ACC network. You mean the leading shop locker in Notre Dame history? <laughs> How could I forget? But I think people were quick to discredit the first Clemson win. Let me rephrase that. The people who were quick to discredit that already didn't like Notre Dame, and they were wrong, and now they're just Mm -hmm. trying to be less wrong by just saying, oh, they're making excuses. Because most people, um, I would say most respected national college football writers, analysts, and so on, all said, you know, that that game wasn't a fluke. Like, how how much better could Lawrence have played than DJ Uyunglele to really make a difference in the game. Like, Lawrence doesn't play on offensive line or defensive line, and that's where the game was won. Right, and I think you make an important point there about respected writers and people making that point, and additionally that the people who are going the other way already didn't like Notre Dame because, as John Feinstein learned on Twitter, um, when you come with some baseless claim, you just get destroyed by Notre Dame fan base on Twitter. I think he said it was some of the most profane things he's ever heard from a self-righteous group of people, even though I don't think anything was that profane. It was just straight facts, and he's the self-righteous one. But yeah, we got a great opportunity here. I think this is a year like unlike any other, but also unlike any other, and where we're going into the postseason thinking, hey, we got a real puncher's chance here, and I think we can be the best team in the country. Yeah, I don't really know what to expect in terms of this game. Um, on Saturday against Syracuse because, I mean, Brian Kelly was on SportsCenter with Van Pelt earlier this week, and, and he's, you know, he tried to do the coach speak thing where it's like, you know, we got to take care of business on Saturday against Syracuse, try to say all the right things. But at one point, he was literally talking about the Clemson rematch and preparing for Trevor Lawrence. So yeah, everyone's getting ready for it. So I guess we can dive into that game a, a little bit. Syracuse is one and nine on the year. Notre Dame is 33.5-point favorites. The over-under is 51.5, and i got to imagine they think Notre Dame is going to score damn near all of them. <laughs> but give Syracuse credit because they have not had a single positive COVID test. And, you know, on a bad team with literally nothing to play for at this point in a game that they're probably going to get dominated, they will get dominated. But Shout out to them for sticking to the protocols and everything like that and finishing out the season because if you look around all of college football, that's not really the case right now. No. I mean, Kirk Herbstreit was bold enough to say it that teams are are ducking, that coaches have told him that, and Joel Klatt said a similar sentiment this morning. I don't really know if I buy that. Yeah, I wonder where Herbstreit was getting that information. It Maybe his sons who play for Davos. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, herd immunity Dabo. I think I've seen some fans on Twitter calling him Wuhan Dabo. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's here. a little bit excessive. <laughs> yeah, I've watched Syracuse play once this year, and that was one more time than I needed to. They're horrible, 
horrible. Yeah. I mean, their top two quarterbacks opted out before the year. Some other key guys did as well. And it's just it's kind of funny to me, reflecting back on the last time we played Syracuse, and of course, it was two years ago at Yankee Stadium. Syracuse enters that game eight and two, ranked twelfth in the country, and became a surprising top fifteen matchup for the Irish in the second to last game of the year. And it's really interesting to see how things have progressed since that point because if you recall, Syracuse was a really trendy upset pick that day, and, and Dino do. Baber's name was getting a lot of uh, runtime for, for jobs that were opening. I think Louisville, also Maryland, kind of a lateral move, but, but Colorado, I mean, like people thought he was going to get a big job. So what happens that day? Uh, Notre Dame beats the brakes off them, 36-3, to and since that point, Syracuse is 8-16. and not exactly how uh, they, they saw it going when they gave him that contract extension in December of that year, um, but it's it's been bad. Yeah, I'll cut Dino a little bit of slack because, like you mentioned, they were without their first two quarterbacks. So now they're basically playing a full season with the third string guy, and their offense is it's it's downright abysmal, like, hideous. Okay, so they average seventeen and a half points per game. That ranks one hundred eighteenth nationally. They are second to last in yards per game at 250. The only team with less yards per game is UMass, and they've only played four games. So this is a (laughs) consistent, terrible effort. Just last week against NC State, Syracuse ran 25 times. They got three yards. I'm saying this out loud. How is that possible? They were 46.5-point dogs against Clemson, which in the classic weird Syracuse-Clemson game where Syracuse always seems to get up for that and actually give Clemson a little bit more than they might have anticipated. This year, they did the same thing. So as bad as they are, they actually, I'm not going to say they they didn't scare Clemson at all, but they they pushed back a little. (laughs) They did, which who knows what kind of weird voodoo magic they have working on there, but... They're bad, uh, no doubt about that. That NC State game this past week, I saw the highlights of. They actually led most of that game, um, and NC State escaped despite like the worst intentional grounding in the end zone I've ever seen. I don't know if you saw that play. Yeah, when he throws it out of the back, yeah, where he like turns around and, and throws it off the wrong side because he's about to get sacked. Dan Orlovsky would have a word with you on worse safety, <laughs> though. The man literally ran out. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I do have to give a, a shout-out to uh, the, the orange punter-in-place kicker. Uh, he's from East Greenwich, Rhode Island. His name's Nolan Cooney, a friend of, of the friend of the program, Tyler Williams. So that's the only guy whose name I know on the team, to be honest with you, uh, prior to doing research for this because they're just that irrelevant. But shout-out to him. He's, he's a decent punter, so they got that going. You know, their, their defense is – I mean, it's it's bad, but it's not as bad. It's got to be hard playing defense when you're on the field literally constantly. All game. Because, yeah, your offense. A shocking stat, they actually lead the country in turnovers forced with 22. So That is, that is interesting. They're 81st in, in points per game. Their linebacker, Michael Jones, he has 67 tackles and four interceptions. Maybe the only guy on the entire team that has a realistic chance. Um at any time in the NFL, but Notre Dame shouldn't give up any more than like a field goal. If they get, if they give up a touchdown, I would be shocked. I'd be shocked if they gave up a touchdown, if Donovan McNabb was playing tomorrow on Saturday. (laughs) Okay. That might be a little bit of a stretch. (laughs) No, I'm, I'm serious. Have you seen their offensive line? 
Yeah, there was a point before the season where they almost couldn't play. Yeah. There's so much attrition on the offensive line with guys opting out, guys just selecting, you know, I'm not going to play this year. They almost couldn't even field a team. Yeah, well, you know, hopefully we can make this, uh, I guess, easy and, and peaceful for the Orange. Um, by the way, they never should have changed their name from Orangeman to Orange. It just sounds so bad. Like, and listen, the last time they won a national title in 2003 with Carmelo Anthony, they were the Orangemen, and they haven't won one since. So something to consider, something to consider. But what do you want to see from Notre Dame in this game? I would say the main thing would be no injuries. <laughs> like, that's the only yeah. thing that that actually scares me about this game because we're so close to Clemson. But I think the main thing for me would be just seeing Braden Lindsay because BK had a quote this week, quote, this should be a week where he, Lindsay, he can really just let it go. This will be an opportunity for us to really start to create some things in the offense for him, end quote. We all know Braden Lindsay is super talented. He's had a really tough year with just nagging hamstring injuries. And because of the development of Notre Dame's wide receivers, it's almost become somewhat of an afterthought, but Coming into mm-hmm. this year, there was he was no doubt the second behind Kevin Austin, maybe even above him. But if he's able to come on and contribute to this offense, it just adds another dynamic weapon in an offense that's been rolling as of late. And I think that's that's one of the main things, at least for me, would be hoping that Lindsey's able to actually produce a little bit more on the field. I like that a lot. You know, it's really just kind of been a lost year for him, I feel like. I guess the fortunate thing of this is that nobody loses a year of eligibility this season, but it really kind of just has been, especially with the emergence of Avery Davis, shout out to my boys who uh, are running that Avery Davis fan club because they saw it before everybody else. But you're right. It would be huge to see him have a game this week and, and really see how we can use that in the postseason because another speed threat like that would just be really invaluable, I think, moving forward. Personally, I didn't realize this, honestly, until a couple days ago. Brendan Clark's only played 18 snaps this year, and um, unless Notre Dame goes to grad transfer route, I think he's probably given the range next year. So he's only played, you know, those 18 snaps that were all against Pitt, and it would be nice to see him get some snaps and, and see what we have because he, he might be the guy next year very well. So I think getting him out there is is something that I'd like to see on Saturday. And just somewhat hypothetically here, but more of a, just something I'd like to see that would warm my heart. You know, I think few guys have been more integral to building up the culture the Notre Dame locker room has than Dalen Hayes. And he's really been playing the best football of his career the last month or so. So I'd like to see him rewarded with with him getting into the end zone. Like a strip sack touchdown would be great. I think that would just be uh, something that would be kind of the cherry on top of this regular season because that guy has been uh, just a phenomenal leader for this team. He really has been. And on and off the field, he's a clear leader of the entire team. And, you know, thinking back to last year when he got hurt, that was a big blow to the 2019 team. And I remember thinking at the time, like, okay, well, at least – it is going to be nice to have him back for next year because he immediately said, you know, I'm not going to the NFL, coming back. He was a big-time recruit. His career up until the last two years was a little bit underwhelming, and then he's really come on. I mean, his sack on DJ in the second overtime, like that's going to go down as one of the best plays in, in Notre Dame's recent history. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Uh, cemented himself into Irish lore with that play. I mean, while we're at it, this whole D-line is kind of doing that with Ada Ugandeji playing the best ball of his career as well and with his own sack in that overtime session. 
but yeah, I, you know, I, I think he's really earned it. And uh, hey, if we had the Orangeman, I'm going to call him the Orangeman, the Orangeman backed up in their own end zone, I wouldn't mind a strip sack touchdown. That would be great. And I think I think that might be the first time we mentioned Brendan Clark on the show all year, which <laughs> is it's not a surprise, obviously, but we might get real sick and tired about talking about him and the quarterback situation next year because, I mean, once this season ends, that storyline begins, and that is all anyone is going to talk about pretty much until opening day of next season because you're going to have Tyler Buckner, true freshman, five-star coming on, Brendan Clark, and then who knows with the grad transfer game, especially after a year like this where, as you mentioned, you don't lose a year of eligibility this year, and every single year in the in recent years, there's been more and more quarterbacks, especially quarterbacks, transferring either via grad transfer or just straight up transferring and then not having to sit out a year like Phil Dracovic and Justin Fields, who, I mean, that, that one-year waiting period is pretty much gone. Well, it is and it isn't. It's very inconsistent. That's true. So begins our time talking about Brendan Clark. <laughs> and don't forget about our boy, Drew Pine. He, he's going to be in the race as well. Connecticut resident, yeah. Yeah, so let's not talk about that until we have to. You know, <laughs> Nothing against you, Brendan Clark and Drew Pine, but there's going to be plenty of time to talk about you guys. Yeah, I hope Ian gets in the end zone himself this game. I hope he gets a rushing touchdown, gets a couple passing touchdowns, because it really is the end of it of an unbelievable career he's in. And it's it's crazy because it's peaking right now, and there's mm-hmm. still so much that he can do. So it's kind of weird to get retrospective with Ian right now because there's still so much more on the table. But earlier we were the Ian Book apologists. We're not that anymore. I think everyone has jumped on the Ian bandwagon, even the people who sort of just dogged him for basically his entire time as a starting quarterback, and now everyone's on board. Absolutely, and I think that's a perfect segue to to get into some predictions here. Um, I'll, I'll start. I, I think we win 45-0 on Saturday, and you mentioned Ian Book, and I think we might have to stat pad for him a little bit in the first half uh, to get that Heisman campaign going. So three or four touchdown passes with the rushing one would be nice, you know, I know that Mac Jones and Kyle Trask are kind of way ahead, it seems like. But, hey, anybody can throw to those receivers. Like, what Ian Book has done with this guy, like this group of receivers, developing them along the way and just winning every damn game, I think is pretty impressive in itself. And he still has three really big games left that he could win that makes you think, hey, maybe this guy is the most valuable player in college football. Did I just go there? I think I did. But <laughs> the – uh the other side of that, the goose egg, there's no way Brian Kelly has forgotten the bullshit Dino Babers pulled with that field goal two years ago on the last drive to not to break out the shutout. I don't know if you remember that. Yes. It was 36 to nothing, and they kicked a field goal. And the look on Kelly's face when they trotted the field goal <laughs> unit out there was just like, you got to be shitting me. He hasn't forgotten that. Neither has Clark Lee. There's no way they let Syracuse score on Saturday. Okay. I'm in the same boat. My score prediction is 38 nothing. so just one last touchdown. But okay, fair. On the topic of the book, this stat was kind of crazy, but he only has 12 passing touchdowns on the year. I know. <laughs> that seems really low. Like That's why he's not it in does. the Heisman conversation. In, in nine games, yeah, it seems very low. Yeah, now granted, he has six rushing touchdowns, so he finds the end zone. And he only has one pick. He actually has the longest streak without an interception. Not, yeah, knock not, on something. I just did. I knocked on one right there. So he beat Brady Quinn in that respect. And, yeah, I think it'll be 38 to nothing. Notre Dame has a weird, uh, at least in, in recent history, they've kind of had a weird 
start. They've had sluggish starts on senior day. Last year, they kind of struggled with Boston College early. I mean, they ended up winning like by a ton, but it was only three nothing after the first quarter. And I think no, 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 it was it was sixteen to seven at halftime. So I guess they were still technically in the game. Then in the third quarter, they just dominated them. And as we mentioned earlier, Navy in twenty seventeen. Notre Dame only won by a touchdown in that game. 2016, we won't even talk about that. In 2015, against Wake Forest, that one was a weird sort of struggle. But I mean, yeah, 2018, the game was over within the first three minutes. Oh, yeah, that Florida State one. That was Nick Coleman had the pick right. on the first play from scrimmage. <laughs> so I think, you know, senior day, there's going to be a lot of emotion for a lot of players in the team. I don't know if that's going to be impacted by the lack of people in the crowd who knows i think Notre Dame comes out and dominates early in this one kind of bucks the trend there a little bit and then i just hope we get the starters out as soon as possible and i wouldn't even mind if clark lee and tommy reese start watching clemson film in the fourth quarter in the second half <laughs> yeah. yeah i'm content with that i mean honestly they're probably already doing it but it'll be really good to, to send this really special group out um, in their last game at Notre Dame Stadium. You know, guys like Book, Liam Eikenberg, uh, Robert Hainsey. Um, is Kramer playing this week? I think he might be. Last I saw, he was technically cleared to play. Okay. Whether or not he's actually going to participate. Because, like, Sebo Flemister yeah. was cleared last week, but didn't take right. a Because it was probably is no reason to play him, yeah. But, you know, guys like him, um, as well as on the defense side of the ball with Ade and, and Dalen Hayes, um, guys who really deserve a, a proper send-off. And while it's not going to be the traditional one, like you mentioned, because of COVID, uh, a shutout sounds like a pretty pretty darn good way to send him out, too. I agree. You know, it's it's kind of funny to think how far we've come because I've, as you have as well, been in the crowd to watch Notre Dame lose on Senior Day to UConn, and now it's just like two. Did we lose on Senior Day to Syracuse too? I think we did. Was oh, that the snowball game. That yeah. yeah, because they were yes, that was absolutely <laughs> Senior Day. <laughs> we've come a long way, man. Yeah, that's about it uh, for the Syracuse game. You got anything else? No, uh, you know, excited for the postseason here. Let's uh, let's get this one, and, and uh, then the real fun starts. Nine games in, four more to go, as far as I'm concerned. Four more wins left. We could start this Saturday with a win against Syracuse, and then uh, from there it's on. So All eyes on Charlotte. Yes, and, we might uh, actually both be rock. there. How about that? Yeah. That has literally never happened. <laughs> I don't know if we'll get tickets. I, I, th- I think the last time we were at a game together was like, Georgia, probably. So, yeah, it's been a minute. Well, that's it for this one. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. We'll be back next week to talk about Notre Dame's probable, almost certain win against Syracuse, and then prep for uh, Notre Dame Clemson round two. We'll see you guys next week.